you have your Bibles, remain seated just for another moment. We're going to get right to the Word, and I promise you, you can be seated quickly. I've only got three verses to read. Psalm 147, and I'm going to read verse 1, verse 7, and verse 12 as our text today. Psalm 147, verse 1, praise ye the Lord. For it is good to sing praises to our God, for it is pleasant and praise is comely. Verse 7, sing unto the Lord with thanksgiving, sing praise upon the harp to our God. And verse number 12, praise the Lord, O Jerusalem, praise your God, O Zion. For just a few minutes of your time, I want to preach on this title and subject, the praiseworthy attributes of God. Let us pray together. Father, you are the living word, and I ask now that you make my tongue the pen of a ready writer and speak both your logos and rima to your church, writing it upon our hearts and minds. Open our understanding that we may comprehend the scripture and cause every hindrance to be rebuked and cast out and bring every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. And we ask it, pray it, and believe it, and expect it in the majestic name of Jesus Christ. And would you say amen? amen. You may be seated. The Lord abundantly bless you. There are some modern, quote-unquote, Christian songs. Not all. Some. I'm not going to dog all of them. But some of them have way too many I statements in their lyrics. Now... Allow me to say, there's times we do need to include the word I. I love the Lord, or I extol the Lord, etc. But some of these are so blatant, they sound more like a personal manifesto instead of a worship chorus to God. And in such cases, performance and individual ability usurp true worship and integrity and may even bleed over into a little bit of what Pastor Jeremy was teaching in the first half about that pharisaical spirit. And because of such songs, it's easy then to understand how pride envelops musicians and vocalists and how they get caught up in the fame of their calling. But the 147th Psalm is not like that at all. In fact, there is not one I statement in the entire psalm. Instead, it's 20 verses proclaim God and his deeds and why he alone is worthy of praise. Indeed, Psalm 147 is a proper worship chorus that gives all the glory to God. 17 of its 20 verses reveal either a name attribute and or a characteristic of Almighty God. And therefore, as a praise psalm, it focuses all of its attention on God, explaining why He alone is worthy of worship. Hallelujah. Do you believe that? Psalm 147 has three distinct parts, and each of them marked by a call to praise the Lord. Verse 1, verse 7, verse 12, which I read as our text today. These separate the psalm into three segments, and the psalmist uses uh, these three segments to then give us 26 things that God is and or that He 
does. So indeed, the lyrics of Psalm 147 are a priceless treasure. I only wish we knew the medley and the harmony and the rhythm and tempo and all of that to know how the song would have gone. Psalm 147 contains parts and questions from other scripture passages. For example, Deuteronomy 4. There's parts of that that are in this psalm. Psalm 33 and 104. Isaiah 4, chapters 40 through chapter 66. And Job chapters 37 through 39. However, what's interesting is in all of those places I just mentioned, Deuteronomy, Psalms, Isaiah, and Job, they pose questions only. Yet the psalmist turns those questions into praise. And doing this creates a beautiful natural flow expressing the sovereignty and the faithfulness of God. So, so perhaps we can take just a little nugget of that truth right there and learn that the next time we've got questions about God, let's turn them into some praise. Let's take the questions we might have about why it hasn't happened yet and why I'm still waiting for the miracle and why and so on and so forth and turn that into some praise. In other words, take that question mark, bend it out into an exclamation point and start praising God for who He is. Hallelujah. Well, let's take a look at what the psalmist did to do that. In verses 1 through 6, he explains that God restores. Praise the Lord, for it is good to sing praises to our God, for it is pleasant and praise is comely. The Lord does build up Jerusalem. He gathers the outcasts of Israel. He heals the broken in heart. He binds up their wounds. He tells the number of stars. He calls them all by their names. Great is our Lord and of great power. His understanding is infinite. The Lord lifts up the meek and He casts down the wicked to the ground. Hallelujah. And so in this, summarizing these six verses, the, the, the Lord restores. Hallelujah. The, the, the first and key uh, sub-attribute, you might say, is that God is a restorer. Are you thankful for that? And because He does that and all these other things, the singing and the worshiping of Him is good and appropriate and delightful to the Lord. How many of you want to please the Lord? How many of you want to make God happy? How many of you want God to be blessed? We talk about us getting blessed a lot, but how many times does the Bible say, bless the Lord? Hallelujah. So by understanding this, we're turning it back around. I know I want a blessing and need one, but I want to make sure God is blessed. Amen. God's attributes, names, and characteristics apply presently, obviously, to the psalmist and his original audience, but they also apply prophetically to us because all Scripture is given. Amen. So we can understand it has uh, relevance to us today. You see, in verse 2, God builds and gathers. Put up verse 2, if you would, uh, there, Brother uh, Jeremy, as I'm going through these. Amen. Look at this. He builds and gathers. That's the first couple of attributes of what God does. Can I tell you, this is specifically talking about them going back to 
uh, uh, rebuild Jerusalem. This is a, probably the time of Nehemiah, Zerubbabel, Haggai, and so forth. Amen. So if your life is in ruins, though, you may not have a literal city that you're going to that you've got to rebuild and after some tragedy or some event. But if your life feels like it's in ruins, then I'm here to tell you, if sin and shame have imprisoned you, then, then I've come to the pulpit today that tell you that God builds and He gathers and He can remove the rubble and restore you. He can make you into a new creature. Hallelujah. If you're a backslider listening to this or maybe in the room today, can I tell you God is calling you home. We're not like the older brother in the field pouting because you're home. We're like the father who's saying welcome home. We're like the servant cooking the fatted calf. Come home. Hallelujah. Are you glad God builds and gathers? Verse 3, watch this. He heals and mends. Look at this. He heals the broken in heart. If you have a broken heart today, I've come to tell you, no matter how deep the wounds may go into your spirit, you might look all nice on the outside and nobody else may know what you're feeling on the inside, but can I tell you, God sees to the depth of your spirit and He wants you to be encouraged because He's the brokenhearted mender. Ah, I feel the Holy Ghost. Can I tell you that Jesus, <clears throat> excuse me, Jesus is the good Samaritan today. Watch. He's not just going to walk by like the Levite and the priest and leave you there. He's not going to go on the other side of the road. Oh, no, Jesus is going to come over and take some oil and he's going to bind up your wounds and he's going to put you on his own beast of burden. Watch this. He's going to take you to the inn, to the church. He's going to take you to the innkeeper, to the fivefold ministry. He's going to take you to a place that you can be blessed, but that's not all. He's going to leave the innkeeper two pence that's his word and his spirit to continue providing for you till he returns can I tell somebody today God is the broken hearted mender hallelujah hallelujah verse number 4 watch this we're talking about the praiseworthy attributes of God God counts and names the stars wow I love every time I read about some scientist or person that's looked up their you know, telescope or whatever and found an unnamed star and because they're the first, they get to name it. As if. I, every time I read that, I want to say, have you read Psalm 147? God already has them. And, and, and then I love the, the, the science books. Some say there's a billion some say there's trillions and, and you know, they don't even know. But God knows. He's got them all counted, numbered, and named. Now, that's pretty infinite ability, wouldn't you say? That he can create. Oh, and, and anybody ever see like pictures from Hubble Telescope? Anybody see stuff like that? Right? I don't know about you. I, I would love to go in space. I know everybody thinks I'm crazy. I, I would love to see space from that. that thing. So I love seeing the, the images and the pictures and all this stuff, right? But watch this, watch this. And he made the stars also. Six words. It's almost as if Moses is like a footnote. Oh, oh yeah, that's right. And he made the stars also. And yet we're so enthralled. 
with space. Right? To God, it, was, it, it seems as if it's almost an afterthought. Oh, yeah, that's right. I need some stars out here. And he names them and numbers them. So here's the point. If he has that much infinite ability to count, create, and call the stars by their name, how much more do you think he cares for his prize creation? Whom he breathed his breath into, who became a living soul. How much more do you think he cares for you and your situation? If he knows that 18 million light years is some star and its name and its number, don't you dare worry one for a minute. God knows where you are, knows what you're going through, He knows your situation. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Last week, one of the brothers gave me an idea about that verse I just quoted. Pastor Trevor, would you come here please? I need a, I need a guinea pig. Now, get on up here with me. Let's assume that the platform is God, it just, everything's great. Man, the marriage is just, you know, 10 out of 10. The kids are 10 out of 10. There is money in the bank. The boss just gave you a raise. I mean, it's 71.3 degrees with the breeze. Everything is just, woo! Right? You're living for God. You're not making any mistakes. You're not sinning. Amen. You can speak in tongues at the drop of the hat. Everything is just, wow! That's the platform, right? Now, we know God never leaves us nor forsakes us in those moments. But there's no asterisk in the verse that says, I will never leave you nor forsake you unless. So if you step off into a hard time, whether a fault of your own or the economy, he'll never leave you nor forsake you. If your marriage is a one out of a 10, if your kids are a negative three out of a 10, if your boss doesn't give you a raise but says you're fired, come on, are you with me somebody? If you've sinned and come short of the glory of God, will he ever leave you nor forsake you? There's no asterisk in the Bible there. I'm not, I'm not excusing sin. I'm not candy coating its effects or consequences. What I'm trying to get somebody to understand that if God can count and call and create the stars, you better know He knows right where you are, right what you're going through, and He's with you every step of the way. Thank you. Hallelujah. Are you thankful for that? Come on, clap your hands and thank the Lord. Praise God. Verse 5, put it up please if you would. Verse 5, check this out. God is great, omnipotent, and infinite. Wow. He's just all that in a bag of Fritos. And Doritos. And Tostitos and Cheetos. And I might find a few else to rhyme if I want to here for a minute. God is everything. Can I tell somebody that whatever's overwhelming you, God is greater. Greater is He that is in you than He that is in the world. 
Oh, hallelujah. Verse 6, God lifts up the meek and rejects the wicked. So if you'll remain meek, if you'll remain humble, what will God do? He'll exalt you in due time. If you attempt to promote yourself, He'll cast you down. Amen. So therefore, do not be weary in well-doing, saint of God. Keep on keeping on. For in due season, you're going to reap if you faint not. Hallelujah. Somebody ought to pause right now and thank the Lord and praise the Lord for all that He is and all that He does. Come on, are you glad He restores? Are you glad He mends the broken hearts? Are you glad He knows where you are? Glory! Oh, put an encore on that for a minute. Come on. He's worthy. Hallelujah. Somebody asked me one time, they said if they're, if they're shouting amen during the preaching, is that interrupting? I said, absolutely not. That's a part of it. Hallelujah. Come on. Come on. Check out verse 7. Watch this. Sing unto the Lord with thanksgiving. Sing praise upon the harp unto our God. Amen. I'm glad we can play instruments. Amen. Who covers the heavens with, uh, heaven with clouds. Who prepares rain for the earth. Who makes grass to grow upon the mountains. He gives to the beast his food and to the young ravens which cry. He delights not in the strength of the horse. He takes not pleasure in the legs of a man. The Lord takes pleasure in them that fear him and those that hope in his mercy. In this second segment, to summarize it, amen, the psalmist encouraged Israel to sing thankfully, to praise God for all that he does and all that he is. And once again, while the context will apply directly to Israel, it remains applicable to us today, and then we will realize that God refreshes. So in the first segment, God restores, and now God refreshes. You see, in verse 8, amen, he, watch this, he covers and sustains the universe, who covers the heaven with clouds. God covers the universe. He, he sustains it. Amen? The whole Bible reveals that God is the creator and sustainer of life. And thus, God can support you in your need. Oh, hallelujah. All you have to do, Matthew 6.33, is seek Him first. Look at verse 9. Amen? God is the provision for all. He provides for and guides his church perfectly. If he's going to take care of the beasts of the field, if he's going to take care of the ravens of the air that are crying out for help, don't you think he's going to hear the cry of his people and help them too? Amen? And by the way, let me just say this. God is provision. P-R-O-V-I-S-I-O-N, right? That means he provides. He's also pro-vision. In other words, he's for vision. Without vision, we perish, right? So, so if you'll have a vision for your life, I believe God can, I believe God will. If you'll start turning questions into, into exclamation points and praising Him, God is for vision. In other words, He's in favor of what you're saying. Are you with me? And He'll be the provision for what you need. So start declaring who God is in your life. Did you know the same creative power that said, let there be light was also in the mouth of Jesus when He said to the storm, peace be still? 
Isn't it interesting that when we receive the Holy Spirit, we, the evidence of that, the way we know that is because we begin to speak in other tongues. Can I tell you, there's power in our words. The Bible says there's the, the death and life are in the uh, tongue. Amen. In the power of the tongue. We have power to speak. I think it's time to start speaking life. I think it's time to start speaking vision. Ah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. God can sustain the animals. He can certainly sustain you. The enemy wants you to feel unloved. Hallelujah. But you can trust God wholeheartedly. He never fails. Verses 10 and 11 explains to us that God delights in true worshipers. He's not worried and taking delight in the strength of horses or the legs of a man. This is most likely a reference to militaries and armies. But since God is omnipotent, all-powerful, He doesn't need armies. Instead, what does He take pleasure in? Those that fear Him and hope in His mercy. I've got to tell you, the last three or four weeks, there's been a theme of hope coming forth in these Psalms. Can I tell somebody today that if you need hope today, go to the Word of God. If you need life today, go to the Word of God. If you need correction today, go to the Word of God. If you need strength today, go to the Word of God. Here's your prescription today. Go to the Scripture. Hallelujah. And get some Word in you. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. I want to be a man like Daniel. God sends Gabriel in, in chapter 9 to speak to him. And this is what he says. He's, he's delivering a message from God. And Gabriel says to, to Daniel, You are greatly beloved. You know what that means, Sister Alicia? That means God told Gabriel, Go down and tell him, I said he's greatly beloved. Wow. I, I don't care about, Jeremy, I don't care about any more titles. But I want to make sure that Jesus says I'm greatly beloved. If I've got that, it's all I need. I don't care what title I've got. I, come on, are you with me today? If, if Jesus thinks I'm greatly beloved, that's what I want to hear. Amen, amen, amen. All right, verse 12 through 20. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord, O Jerusalem. Praise your God, O Zion. For He has strengthened the bars of your gates. He has blessed your children within you. He makes peace in your borders and fills you with the finest of wheat. He sends forth His commandment upon earth. His word runs very swiftly. He gives snow like wool. He scatters the hoarfrost like ashes. He casts forth His ice like morsels. Who can stand before His cold? He sends out His word and melts them. Thank you, Jesus. I love it when it melts. <laughs> he comes. I knew somebody was going to catch on that because you know how much I love snow. He causes his wind to blow and the waters to flow. He shows his word unto Jacob. His statutes and his judgments are unto Israel. He has not dealt so with any nation. And as for his judgments, they have not known them. Praise ye the Lord. This final segment, Psalm 147, provides evidence for the rebuilding of Jerusalem. And as with the other two parts... Amen. In this one, God, God restored in the first. God refreshes in the second. Now God reveals. Huh. Hallelujah. 
Again, you can understand this personally. We can, we can dig into the, the historical, and that's, that's relevant at times, and we need to do that and understand that this would have been Nehemiah and, and Haggai and, and uh, Zerubbabel and these others who would have claimed this. Ezra possibly was a part of all this in the, in the rebuilding and the restoring of Jerusalem and the walls and so on and so forth, and thank God for that. Amen. But drawing the uh, a comparison to make it applicable for us today, in verse 13, are you thankful that God strengthens and protects and blesses you? Are you thankful that no weapon formed against you is going to prosper? Oh, come on. Come on. We, we, we can preach that. We can sing that. But do we really believe that? That what the enemy fashions against us, it's not going to work. He might have the greatest technology. He might have the latest and greatest. But it's never going to work against the people of God. Hallelujah. God's blessings extend for generations, ensuring there will always be a remnant for God. Verse 14, God is the ultimate peacemaker, making peace within our borders. Amen. The Bible tells us in Romans 16, 20, that God's peace, He's the God of peace, that He puts Satan under our feet. In in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 15, we know as a part of the armor of God, our feet are shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. We know that Jesus is the prince of peace. Amen. So how about it? I believe somebody needs to realize that when you're walking on top of the thing that's troubling you, when you're walking on top of the enemy that's bothering you, it's bringing peace because the God of peace puts Satan under your feet. Oh, somebody ought to stomp your feet a little bit. Somebody ought to realize that's where Satan Satan belongs not on my shoulder, not in my ear, not in my heart. He belongs under my feet. You know what else that means? That means everywhere I go, I bring peace. Some of you are in work situations that are difficult. Some of you have coworkers that might be difficult to work with. Some of you are going to school and some of you are going to college. And these, oh, come on. But when you walk into the room, ah, hallelujah. Ephesians says you're filled with all the fullness of God. You believe that? Really believe it? Okay, good. That means when you walk into the room, Jesus walks into the room. Having on the armor of God, you know what that means? Peace walks into the room. Your feet are shod with the preparation of peace. Truth, you got the belt of truth. Truth walks into the room. Righteousness, the breastplate of right, walks into the room. Salvation walks into the room. Has anybody ever had a coworker, classmate, friend, or whatever say, man, there's something different about you? Especially after you first get the Holy Ghost. Because the spirit world can see. We may not be able to physically see it, but those spirits know, oh, wait a minute. Something different about her or him. So let me just say this to you. If there's no peace where you're at, Make sure you get the shoes of peace on. Make sure that Satan is under your feet. That's what Romans 16, 20 says. The God of peace shall put Satan under your feet. Not my feet, yours. Ah. 
Oh, I wish I had time to really preach it like I feel it. Lord Jesus, have mercy. One of these days, I'm going to be like Joshua and ask the Lord to stop the clock. Just hold time still. I don't know if he'll do it, but I'm going to ask. God fills us abundantly. Look at verse 14. God fills us abundantly. He exceedingly and abundantly gives us a harvest of the finest of wheat. When you trust God, He provides the best. Not second best. Not leftovers. The finest. Verses 15 through 19. Amen. God sends His Word. This is comparative to Isaiah 55, 10 and 11 where God speaks forth and sends forth His Word. And it does what He tells it to do. It will not come back to Him. It will not return to Him void. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Verse 20, God loves those who love Him. Are you thankful for that today? But notice there's a clause, a condition. God does not deal this way with every nation. Now this is specifically talking about Israel, but according to the New Testament which we're in, the New Covenant, we now are the Israel of God. And so God deals with us the same, but it's again conditional. If we'll love Him, right? He'll love us. He'll, he'll bless and protect us. But there's, there's effort on our part. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. The praiseworthy attributes of God. I feel the Holy Ghost in this place. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Has anybody ever had a bad day or been discouraged? You know, the next time you do, I encourage you to open up Psalm 147. Read through it. Read through all those things that God is and God does. And just as I've done in this message today, personalize it. Understand there's an element of the historical there. Again, I've, I've mentioned Nehemiah a couple times, but there's, there's that element of when this probably was written uh, and, and what it's about, the rebuilding of Jerusalem. Okay? But apply it to your life and God rebuilding your life. Hallelujah. Praise team, would you come? The more that I read Psalms like Psalm 147, the more I realize it requires a lot of time to absorb its truth. One message in a second half of a Sunday ain't going to cut it to really delve into what the psalm is all about. And that God is each of these things is overwhelming to process. That God does these things can be difficult to understand since He is infinite and we are finite. Now remember, this is one psalm with 20 verses that have 26 names, characters, attributes of God. To date, I have discovered 962 of them and I'm still finding more. The point is, there's a whole lot about God that you can see throughout the entirety of the Scripture. If you, were if you were today to go to a bookstore, get a journal, and start filling it full of all the times that God has failed you, lied to you, forsaken you, let you down, you would get to the end of those journals and they would be nothing but empty pages. You would never fill them because He cannot lie. He never fails and He never forsakes. God 
wants today to restore and refresh your spirits. He wants to reveal greater truth to you about who he is. Amen. Does anybody want what God has for you? I wonder right now if we could just lift our hands and our voices all over this room and begin to talk to God and tell him how much we love him. Hallelujah. Can we thank him for who he is? Praise him for all that he does. Love him for all that he is today. Can we do that right now? Come on.